on right now with Jim Dawes, a daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective on the Mojo Five O Radio Network, streaming live on iHeartRadio. You can listen on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, or Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. Shoot me an email at rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com or drop me a voicemail at 772-245-0750. Leave your questions or comments and we just might use your call on the broadcast. That number is 772-245-0750. So did you catch the Sunday news shows? Uh, the recurring theme with Chris Wallace, George Stephanopoulos, uh, sleepy-eyed Chuck Todd, and all of the other um, lesser cable Sunday shows. The recurring theme was, don't you dare talk about Joe Biden. This is not about Joe Biden. We do not care that Joe Biden's son, Hunter, got a $50,000 a month job totaling $3 million over several years, to which he had no qualifications whatsoever, and that when the uh, Ukrainian prosecutor started looking into that job, Joe Biden promptly had that prosecutor fired on threat of losing $1 billion in U.S. aid. That is off the table as far as the mainstream media is concerned, including Chris Wallace over at Fox News. And, uh, I mean, it was again and again, they had, uh, uh, Wallace had uh, Steve Miller, Stephen Miller from the, uh, administration who who tried to explain to Chris Wallace, who absolutely refused to hear it, that the president was doing his job trying to get to the bottom of the origins of the Russiagate scandal and asking about the uh, apparent and manifest corruption on behalf of Joe Biden when he was vice president. Uh, apparently, the president is not allowed to talk about any of that. Now, the Democrats can deploy the CIA, the FBI, the Department of Justice, send undercover agents into Donald Trump's campaign, tap his phone lines, engage in entrapment uh, operations, pay for foreign sources to trump up a phony dossier, deploy that in the election using their uh, media sources. When they lose the election, they can have a a special counsel appointed to dog this president for over two years. They can do selective prosecutions of anybody associated with his campaign. But Donald Trump, when having a conversation with the new president of one of the nations that was deeply involved in all of the corruption in the 2016 presidential election, he is not allowed to ask about it. And if he does, that is an impeachable offense. <laughs> Man, and, you know, this having all of the mainstream media as your public relations armed, like the Democrats do, is really an unbelievable advantage. 
John Solomon, on I think it was the Friday before these Sunday news shows, dropped 400 pages of incriminating documents out of the Ukraine showing that Hunter Biden was there to protect Burisma, this corrupt Ukrainian energy company, using his, uh, his relationship with the vice president, and that the whole legal team that was defending Burisma knew it and admitted to it. None of the Sunday news shows was interested in any of that. They're just interested in the fact that Donald Trump asked about it. He's not allowed to ask about it. And um, the only time any of this was able to even leak through a little bit was when Rudy Giuliani appeared on uh, this week with uh, the uh, the Munchkin George Stephanopoulos and um, was allowed to, uh, well, allowed to speak. Uh, Stephanopoulos repeatedly tried to interrupt him, but uh, Rudy uh, was hitting them so hard that it left uh, Stephanopoulos just stammering. I also support everything I say with affidavits. I have an affidavit here that's been online for six months that nobody bothered to read from the gentleman who was fired, Victor Shokin, the so-called corrupt prosecutor. The Biden people say that he wasn't investigating Hunter Biden at the time. He says under oath that he was. But, but, but as you know, I know he says that under oh, oath. We, must not be, we don't even know. But, 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 we, we, we know that Vice President Biden was part of an international effort, mm-hmm. was part of a government-wide effort to help push the, the prosecutor the up. Name, because the name the here was Donald. That is bull. This whole idea that uh, this was an international effort to get rid of this prosecutor, that was because this prosecutor was also looking into Ukrainian energy interests that were deeply connected to George Soros. George Soros has major juice with all of these uh, these leftist regimes that run the EU and many of the nations in Europe and Obama, and they wanted to stop this prosecutor. And the prosecutor was not corrupt. The prosecutor was actually going after corruption that deeply affected all of these uh, these well-connected Democrats and leftists in Europe, and they wanted them gone. And Joe Biden was the hatchet man that went over there and got him gone. Government-wide effort to help push the, the prosecutor the up name, because the name the here was Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. And it said that the president of the Ukraine asked me to resign due to pressure from the U.S. presidential administration. The truth is that I was forced out because I was leading a wide-ranging corruption, corruption, corruption probe into Burisma Holdings and Joe Biden's son. That's under oath by the prosecutor who was handling the case, who they say is corrupt. Now... A lot of prosecutors. It's not just they who said it's corrupt. The European Union said he's corrupt. The entire U.S. administration. Oh, they all said it. Anybody prove it? That's why he was removed from office. No, it wasn't. The reason he was removed from office was he resigned because the president forced him to resign. And then, just in case we want to deal with the corruption thing, I have another affidavit. This time from another Ukrainian prosecutor who says that the day after Biden strong-armed the president to remove Shokin, they show up in the prosecutor's office, lawyers for Hunter Biden show up in the prosecutor's office, and they give an apology for dissemination of false information. I, I know. I, what, you know what the apology is for? For having, having gotten out the story that this guy was corrupt. Now, if you met this guy, he's not very good at corruption because he's very poor. 
Well, like the prosecutor who tanked the case on Biden, who's driving around in a Bentley. Okay. The new prosecutor that the that they brought in to replace the prosecutor that Joe Biden got fired was actually signed off on by Joe Biden. And one of the very first official acts this new prosecutor did was drop the prosecution against Burismo and Hunter Biden's company. The media shows no interest in this whatsoever because they think that they've finally got Trump. They don't want to talk about anything. Here's Chris Matthews over on MSNBC. It's a moment. And the Democrats, if they've got brains and any political savvy, will grab this moment. No more hearings, no more subpoenas, no more contempt citations, no more process. They've got them. No, we don't want to have hearings. We don't want to have contempt citations. We don't want to have any more process. We just want to move forward with impeachment. This is a fake impeachment process, ladies and gentlemen. They have yet to take, or they, they've actually had, I think, three votes in the House to begin an impeachment inquiry. inquiry. Each and every one of them has failed. There has not been a successful vote to move forward with an impeachment. This was a decision by Queen Nancy. Apparently, it's not majority rules any, any longer in the U.S. House. We have a, 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 a monarchy with Queen Nancy at the helm that is going to decide that the House is going to move forward with impeachment. They say they've got the votes. They say they have 218 votes, which is all the Democrats and uh, and the one disgraced Republican, uh, Justin Amash, who want to vote to move forward. Well, if that's the case, then let's move forward. Let's take a vote. Why won't they take a vote? Because they know that they that the uh, Democrats who voted vote for it from swing districts will be punished in 2020. So they want to shield them. They want to have their cake and eat it too. But as I said, John Solomon dropped 400 pages of documents incriminating Joe Biden and his son Hunter in this corruption in Ukraine, and the media on the Sunday shows turned a blind eye to it. I've got a clip here. This is actually John Solomon previewing uh, the release of these documents and telling you exactly what they will prove. Joe Biden has staked out a very specific story now. And with impeachment proceedings, that story is fair game to investigate. Let's say what that story is. He says when he fired the Ukraine general prosecutor, Mr. Shokin, uh, he did so solely because he believed that prosecutor was corrupt and not because that prosecutor was investigating his son's company and making plans to interview Hunter Biden at the very moment he was fired. That's his story. That has to hold up. I can tell you tonight that I have obtained more than 450 pages of documents from inside Hunter Biden's legal team, from inside the State Department, from inside uh, the Ukrainian general prosecutor's office, all on the record. There are documents uh, from Hunter Biden's legal team, the legal team from America, trying to assist Burisma to get out of this investigation. They show... In, unequivocally, that that prosecution or that uh, legal team 
told the prosecutors as soon as uh, Mr. Shokin was fired. In fact, the day that Shokin was fired, the Ukraine team, uh, the uh, Biden team was trying to reach the new prosecutor. So people say there's no connection between the event. Why was Biden's legal team rushing to talk to the new guy immediately? But when they got that chance to talk to him, here's what they told that prosecutor. They told that prosecutor the fall, the story about Shokin being corrupt, not doing reforms was not true. It was a made-up story by U.S. officials. They called it false information. That means Hunter Biden's legal team, Burisma's American legal team, was telling the prosecutors the basis upon which Joe Biden said he just fired Chokin was not true. Well, tomorrow you can read the open case. You can read the prosecutor's open memo, memos, and specifically what Hunter Biden's legal team was asking the prosecutors to do to end that case. There was an investigation. The media is wrong because they haven't picked up their notebooks and actually done the gumshoe work that it requires to find out what happened here. We are going to see documents from the State Department, documents from Hunter Biden's legal team, text messages from Hunter Biden's own business partner, Devin Archer, who joined him on the board, and De- uh, official documents of the Ukraine government that they've given to me on the record. All these documents tell a very different story than Joe Biden's narrative to the American vote. The Democrats and their mouthpieces in the media are desperate to avoid any talk of the actual corruption of Joe Biden because it will legitimize Donald Trump's interest into looking into that. The Democrats want to impeach Donald Trump for a a so-called quid pro quo that he never made, oh, it's mob talk. It was implied. But at the same time, they want to clear Joe Biden based on an investigation that never occurred. Full speed ahead with impeachment. We're going to be treated to this all the way through the 2020 election. And we're going to have to uh, uh, man up. We're going to have to gird our loins, so to speak, because this is going to be an all-out war for the next 18 months. Stick with us. We'll be, uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Mojo. Millions of people today have no dental insurance. If you're without insurance, do you have a plan to care for your teeth without spending a fortune? Introducing DentalPlans.com. How would you like to save 10 to 60% off your next dental visit for as little as $7 a month? We offer trusted dental savings plans from companies like Cigna and Aetna with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Be a part of the 1 million-plus happy smiles served since 1999 that save money when they visit the dentist. You can save on cleanings, dentures, braces, x-rays, fillings, crowns, root canals, and even teeth whitening. Call 800-296-1247 now to start saving immediately. Mention promo code RADIO to receive 15% off any plan and for a limited time, one month free. Call 800-296-1247. That's 800-296-1247. Fees billed annually plus a $20 processing fee. Savings plans are not insurance. Savings will vary by provider, plan, and zip code. Consult with plan detail page for additional plan terms. Not all plans and offers available in all markets. So the Democrats' line that they want you to believe is that they have finally got Donald Trump. They, uh, have, they have uncovered corruption that is worthy of impeachment. What you have to keep in mind is from the very day that Donald Trump took office, they have been talking about impeachment. 
They've just been looking for any excuse. Now, they they sort of put it all on hold for about two years while they waited for uh, Robert Mueller to generate a uh, report that would frame Donald Trump and give them the fodder that they needed to remove this man from office so that they could get back to the way of doing business in Washington, which is selling out your interests to benefit themselves. I've got a clip here, and this is a new ad from the Trump campaign that details just a small, small sampling of all the times the Democrats called for impeachment before this current um, impeachment fever. For you, do you personally think impeachment should be considered? I think it should. As we begin impeachment proceedings now. And that we've got to impeach him and get rid of him. My sole focus right now uh, is to make sure that he's not the president uh, next term. My sole focus. We're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the motherfucker. We're going to launch an Article 3 impeachment. In the question of impeachment, it's about time. Nadler is, I hope he's not following the rules. Congress should take the steps towards impeachment. We're going to have to prosecute this. We're going to have to do it. We're going to have to impeach. Impeachment is still on the table. Absolutely. It's always on the table. We cannot accept a a second term for Donald Trump. If we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time to stop this nonsense. It's really, um, it, it is sedition is what's going on. They have crippled this government. This government is not taking any of the actions that the government exists to take care of the uh, the crisis at the border, the trade disasters in this country, the opioid crisis, the crisis in our major cities. Everything's getting ignored, and the Democrats' fevered, desperate attempts to get rid of this uh, president who's trying to reorder Washington. The American people sent him there to do that. And ever since he stepped into that office, they have desperately been trying to stop him from moving forward with this America First agenda. And they say now we're supposed to believe that a conversation that was totally not as advertised, it was supposed to have had a quid pro quo and promises made and all of these other uh, lies that Nancy Pelosi announced the day before the president released the transcript, was the basis for her impeachment. I don't think the American people are going to be much impressed by this. I know I'm not. Nobody, None of the Trump supporters that I know think that this is an impeachable offense or even necessarily wrong. MSNBC was uh, had a, a, a reporter out doing man-in-the-street interviews and made the mistake of asking the wrong voter what he thought. Biden got a nice little deal for his boy and got a whole bunch of money for him and his firm and nobody said nothing about it. Hmm. But all of a sudden, Trump opens his mouth and says something and, oh my God, and pinch him. I think some of these people in Congress should just get back to doing their job instead of trying to, what they've been doing for two years. And, you know, we have people that are living in this in this country that are, are depending on them doing stuff for us mm. and they're not doing anything for us Can you see that democrats are though moving forward with an impeachment inquiry? they're crazy <laughs> they're crazy these people are uh, you know they used to talk about trump derangement syndrome as, or as if it was some sort of joke but it's it's not a joke this is a true 
mental disorder that has seized the Democrat Party. They know that they don't have any agenda that they can sell to the American voters. They know if, if uh, they don't do something that Trump will be reelected. Now they've put themselves in the position of shining a light on their leading candidate, which is going to leave them with uh, a nominee in the form of Elizabeth Warren that is a professed socialist. And in the run-up to this election, we're going to be treated of month after month of this impeachment fever that has gripped them. They've got Hillary Clinton out here on the, uh, on the trail, lending her voice. And some people are even speculating that uh, she may step in because Joe Biden is going to be so mortally wounded from, from this, uh, this impeachment fever that Hillary Clinton may get back in, and she's, uh, she's all for it. She says, we got to impeach Trump. And now she must, as she has explained, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, proceed with an impeachment inquiry into the president who has betrayed his oath of office to uphold the Constitution and protect and defend us. Uh, this occupant, occupant of the Oval Office poses a clear and present danger to our future. A clear and present danger, the quid pro quo. She goes on in that same little speech to accuse Trump of running an extortion racket. An extortion racket. This conversation that he had with the new Ukrainian president is supposed to be extortion now keep in mind this is the same hillary clinton that when she was secretary of state was accepting hundreds of millions of dollars for the clinton foundation from the same people who had business before the u.s government and her office as secretary of state now that is an extortion racket And what Joe Biden, I think what happened was Joe Biden was near the end of his political career. He knew that, uh, you know, he didn't have much more time. He would never seek elective office again. And it was time for him to get on board the gravy train that uh, that the rest of the, the uh, politicians in Washington have been on and get himself some of that sweet, sweet graft. I wish we had time to play this clip from Peter Schweitzer. If you get a chance, go online and look up um, uh, on YouTube and look up Peter Schweitzer. I think it's uh, something like What You Need to Know, but he's got a series of podcasts on there that, uh, that really describe his findings on the corruption that not only Joe Biden, but Hillary Clinton and many other politicians engaged in. So what we have learned this week is the intelligence community secretly gutted the, uh, the, the rules over whistleblower complaints that required them to have firsthand knowledge of the things that they are um, complaining about. So right before this so-called whistleblower, who is really just a deep state CIA spy, filed his complaint with all this, this hearsay and innuendo. Lo and behold, the intelligence community changed the rules so you didn't have to have firsthand information any longer. So all of this is based on hearsay. And almost everything the whistleblower states turns out not to be true. 
Sort of reminds you of an episode of uh, Telephone. My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. I guess it's pretty serious. I guess it's pretty serious. And when Adam Schiff opened his hearings last week, they never talked about the actual transcript. They just wanted to talk about the, the lies contained in the whistleblower complaint. Settle in. Buckle up. It's going to be a long, long uh, election season. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Robert Spencer to talk about Muslim immigration into the Western nations, whether that's a good idea, and bring you up to the whole history of Islamic Jihad against the West. That'll be right after two messages. Stick with us. Right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. I've been working at Santa's Workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. When you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can get a powerful Internet experience and nationwide coverage on the most reliable network. Choose the data option that's right for you. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Based on root metrics by IHS Markets Root Score reports 2H 2020 of four mobile networks. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Coming right at you on the Mojo 5 radio network. The nations of Europe and North America are engaged in a grand experiment. Guided by Western traditions of religious tolerance, the United States, Canada, and many European nations are importing millions of Muslim immigrants. I call this an experiment because for over 1,400 years, Islam has been at war with non-believers, including, but not limited to Christians and Jews. The goals of this conflict have not just been territorial conquest, but religious submission as well, as ordered by the Quran. It's not an exaggeration to say the results of this grand experiment could be the, the end of Western civilization. To discuss this, we're joined now by Robert Spencer. He's director of Jihad Watch and author of over 19 books on the topic of Islam, including two New York Times bestsellers. His most recent is The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS. It's available now on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and you can find his website at jihadwatch.org. That's jihadwatch.org. Robert Spencer, thank you for joining us on right now. Hey, happy to be here, Jim. Thank you. 
Well, it's a great honor to have you. I think the last time we spoke was uh, almost 20 years ago, and uh, we were talking about the same topic back then. Um, and I, I have to note that rarely has someone sounded an alarm so loud and so long as you have, uh, but your warnings about bringing radical Islam and jihad into the West have uh, largely gone unheeded. So, uh, yeah, got, well, there's. Go ahead. Jim. No, you, Sorry, I, w- I was just going to say, guided by the old uh, uh, maxim that uh, those ignorant of their history are doomed to repeat it. I'd like to give you uh, the, audi- the opportunity to uh, give a, a brief uh, history for our audience. Uh, on the conflict between Christendom and Islam and how it relates to contemporary events. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to do this. Uh, You're absolutely right. Probably even fewer people now are aware of the nature and magnitude of the jihad threat than they were 20 years ago. And this is because of a concerted effort by Islamic and leftist groups to blame the United States and Israel pretty much entirely for the modern phenomenon of Islamic terrorism and to claim that it's all just a reaction to the supposed ills and evils of those two governments primarily, which of course doesn't explain at all the reality that Islamic terrorism is found today on a pretty much regular basis in places like the Philippines, Thailand, and many others that have nothing to do with Israel or the United States. And uh, actually, as I show in a book that I published last year, The History of Jihad, that uh, jihad terrorism, warfare by Muslims against unbelievers, against non-Muslims, is a constant of Islamic history and has been going on ever since the beginnings of Islam in the 7th century. There is actually no place anywhere in the world where there have been Muslims living together with a large number of non-Muslims and there being peace. Uh, There has always been conflict, just as today there is conflict everywhere where there are significant numbers of non-Muslims and Muslims living in close proximity. And in every case, without any exception, that violence is initiated by the Muslims. So you're saying that uh, ISIS and al-Qaeda and Boko Haram and um, what we're witnessing today are, are not manifestations of Western colonialism? That's right, and they're not misunderstandings or hijackings of the peaceful teachings of Islam, as is often claimed nowadays. It's kind of a ridiculous claim, if you think about it, that all these jihad terror groups, and there are jihad terror groups on every inhabited continent, uh, they all are misunderstanding Islam and misunderstanding it in exactly the same way. It's it's ridiculous that people have ever bought this, but uh, it's kind of a page taken from the... Uh, propaganda techniques of Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda minister, when he said that uh, you get uh, you, you formulate a big lie and then you just keep repeating it. And after a while, people will believe it. Tell and the big lie and tell it often. What we see has happened. Yeah, exactly. Because it can only get over by dint of constant repetition since it's so contrary to the evidence that we see around us all the time. Well, I have not studied the Quran, uh, but I have uh, <clears throat> perused it and referred to it uh, in regard to uh, some news events. And the impression I get is that it was a document that was drafted as a um, a governing um, theological uh, form of government designed specifically uh, for its expansion and conquest. And um, it seems like that learned people these days have turned a blind eye to that reality uh, 
in favor of uh, some form of uh, multiculturalism. And as I say, uh, if they're right, then that would be a recipe for peace. But if they're wrong, the consequences would be disastrous indeed. Yeah, that's what we're heading to because, yes, you're absolutely right, Jim. Islam has been political from its very inception. Uh, there is really no Islam without its political uh, governing apparatus, the Sharia, being implemented. Uh, and it's not me making this up. These are, this, Muslims will tell you this, that Islam is not truly Islam unless it's implemented as a political system. And so you have where Islam is not implemented as a political system, you pretty much have Muslims working for that implementation all around the world. And groups like the Muslim Brotherhood, from which al-Qaeda and Hamas and other jihad terror groups come, they loudly proclaim all in, in their uh, groups all around the world that no government that is not constituted according to Islamic law, even in Muslim countries, has any legitimacy, that on the only legitimate government is that of Islamic law. Well, you know, I've got a clip here. It's kind of a long clip. It goes uh, a little more than a minute. Uh, this fellow's name is Mohammed Tawadi, and he's appearing on uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network. And he's he's trying to warn people that uh, I think he's referring to France in particular, uh, that uh, the very nature of Islam requires uh, subjugation and conquest, and that if uh, they don't wake up to that fact, uh, what they can expect. The current beginning of the death. It's already happening. There are areas in France where Christians cannot walk uh, freely. Uh, President Macron has come out saying that the uh, Islamist movements want to secede from France. This is a, a leader of a country telling you that he has lost control. He's admitting finally that he has lost control. Uh, there, are, there are serious agendas being played in that region. Look, I am a Muslim, but I cannot live in an Islamist theocracy. I can live in a Christian government based on their constitution because that is where peace lies. I can't live in a place where ISIS rules uh, the area. That's no Muslim with, with, with a brain that works would want to live under ISIS, right? And when we come to the West trying to warn the governments and intelligence agencies about what is happening, about the people we fled from, we have this new political correctness agenda that tells us all oh, we're the racists, we're the ones who are traitors, and the extremists needs to be understood and embraced, and, you know, they have a point, let's listen to them, and sooner or later they're in parliament, they're in government, and there you go in America, you have Ilhan Oman and Rashida Tlaib changing the narrative in Washington that is now uh, in affecting the whole influencing and affecting the narrative around the world, attacking Jews, attacking Christians, and this is just the beginning. So if, if Christians don't wake up, Christian leaders don't wake up, then we Muslims who fled from extremists can't help you. Well, Robert Spencer, why do you think that uh, the, the leaders in the Western nations are so paralyzed to, uh, to push back against uh, what appears to be happening Leftist and Islamic groups have very cleverly played the race card and claimed that it's bigotry and hate-mongering and Islamophobia to call attention to the, uh, to the reality of political Islam, to the fact that it is against the freedom of speech, against the equality of rights of women, against the American constitutional freedoms uh, that we enjoy in many ways. And uh, they have been able to smear and demonize and marginalize pretty much everybody who calls attention to these issues. Yourself included. Uh, and so, yeah, absolutely. And so even Tawhidi, who you just played the recording of, he's a Muslim, but he has not escaped charges of being Islamophobic and uh, hateful because he opposes political Islam. Uh, 
And this is a very, very effective tactic, which is one reason why they keep doing it. It's because it keeps working. Uh, when you have politicians who are facing being charged with being bigoted and racist, they're, they're looking at the end of their political career. And so they fall into line and they say Islam is a religion of peace and they refuse to investigate or even consider seriously the inroads that the adherents of political Islam are making in the West. Well, Tahiti uh, there mentioned, uh, you know, the election of Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. And um, I've, I've noticed uh, since the the rise of these two freshmen, first mo- uh, Muslim women in Congress, that uh, each of them has um, missed every opportunity to condemn radical Islam or even ISIS or Al-Qaeda. And I've got a clip here. Uh, This is Ilhan Omar being asked directly at a news conference uh, to do just that. Can you respond to some of the president's specific claims, most notably that you're a communist and that you're (laughs) pro-Al-Qaeda? You might have noticed how when he said, go back to where you came from, there was an uproar um, through the um, through all of our communities, because every single person who's brown and black at some point in their life in this country heard that. Now, when he made the comment, uh, I know that every single Muslim who has lived in this country and across the world has heard that comment. And so I will not dignify it with an answer. Well, she's not dignifying it with an answer, but I went on a a concerted search trying to find any time when she had actually condemned radical Islam or even terrorism, and I was unable to find anything other than her steadfast refusal to do so because she was saying it was unfair to ask her. Uh, And it occurred to me that uh, considering the community that she uh, was elected and it being a hotbed of, uh, you know, radical Islamic uh, recruiting, that she may be unable to to condemn uh, radical Islam without putting herself in danger. So um, go ahead. Well, she certainly would be putting herself in danger of not being reelected. Because, uh, yeah, this is the terrorist hotspot of the United States, her congressional district. It's the leading site where terrorist recruitment is going on. More American terrorists have come from that area than from anywhere else. And so it's very clear, and it's no exaggeration, to say that there is quite a lot of support for groups like al-Qaeda and ISIS in Ilhan Omar's congressional district. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's why she won her election, but it certainly means that she's being a very canny politician when she constantly sidesteps the issue of whether she actually condemns these jihad terror groups, because she knows there are people who voted for her who would uh, support those groups, and she doesn't want to alienate her voters. Well, I couldn't help but notice as well that she filed a uh, an affidavit with the court in support of a lenient sentence for several uh, – of her constituents that had been recruited to uh, ISIS and uh, and were arrested by the FBI. Yes, her positions have been very consistent all the way through. Uh, she is always criticizing the United States. She is always uh, calling attention to the ills of our society, real or imagined. And uh, she has never 
you know, you can do the same thing with ISIS that uh, you, you did with al-Qaeda. And she, while she called for leniency toward these, these ISIS guys, she's never uh, supported in any public way any kind of action against ISIS or other jihad terror groups. Well, Robert Spencer, um, I want to thank you for staking with us after the break. Uh, when we come back, I want to get a little bit more into uh, the history, the actual history of the, um, the, the conflict between Islam and Christendom, uh, if you'll stick with us. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Stand by. Does your current bathroom need to be updated immediately? Introducing One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling. The complete and hassle-free way to get the new bathroom of your dreams in as little as one day. And for as little as $1.99 a month. Yes, the experts at One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling will come to you anywhere in the country and show you all the customized options. Now you can have a brand new bathroom in as little as one day. Large or small bathrooms, if you want a new bathtub or shower installed, we can do it in as little as one day. And if you call right now, you can save $750 off your remodel. We make it easy by offering you financing as low as $199 per month. Call now to schedule your free in-home consultation. 800-693-3152. 800-693-3152. That's 800-693-3152. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. We're talking to Robert Spencer, director of Jihad Watch and author of The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS. Uh, Robert, just uh, just give us a, a, a primer on the rise of uh you know, the, the founding of uh, the religion and the rise of the conflict between Islam and Christendom. The conflict goes right back to the beginning, to accounts in Islamic sources of Muhammad, uh, the prophet of Islam, who, according to those sources, in the year 630, two years before he died, led an exposition against the Christian empire, the Byzantine empire, uh, which was the foremost exponent of Christianity of the day, in, the, in those days. Uh, He led an army up to attack a Byzantine garrison in northern Arabia. There was nobody there because the Byzantines actually didn't know or care about Muhammad at the time. But Muhammad kept coming, uh, and the Muslims kept coming after his death. In the year 675, they besieged Constantinople, which at that time was the largest, most important, greatest city in the Christian world. Uh, And the center, the capital of the Byzantine Empire, they uh, besieged it for the first time. They returned back. They made many, many other tries uh, over the years and finally were able to conquer the empire and, and enter Constantinople in the year 1453. Uh, this a 700-year siege. Of, yeah, 700-year siege, absolutely. It was off and on, but they just kept at it and meanwhile conquered what had been all of North, what had been all of Christian North Africa, all of North Africa, including Egypt, Algeria, Libya. It was all Christian areas. Some of the greatest saints of Christian history, St. Augustine and uh, St. Cyprian, they came from North Africa and lived there all their lives. The uh, Muslims, however, completely obliterated that Christian civilization, 
conquered Spain and other Christian area, held it for 700 years. And uh, really, the whole heart of the Middle East, which is considered to be now the center of the Islamic world, uh, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, etc., those were all Christian areas until they were conquered by the Muslims. And it's really been the most successful conquest in world history as there's been no, except for Spain and Israel, there's been no pushback, no resist, no significant resistance, just the uh, complete Islamization of the areas. And to this day, uh, Constantinople, located in modern-day Turkey, Turkey is a, uh, well, it's quickly being uh, reformed from a formerly uh, secular government under um, uh, Turk, uh, I can't remember. Erdogan. Erdogan Turk. Erdogan. Uh, well, Yes, I was I was trying to remember the name of the guy that that converted it uh, to a secular uh, government. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Atatürk. Atatürk, Atatürk. correct. And uh, and actually has uh, Islamic uh, toehold there on uh, on that part of Europe, and uh, therefore they are members of NATO. But um, you mentioned uh, about the the you know uh, raids, Islamic raids on Europe, and we're very sensitive these days to the history of slavery. A little known part of history is that the Ottomans of the day uh, were uh, big slave traders and enslaved uh, literally millions of Europeans uh, during that period. Yeah, I've got the accounts of some of those slave raids in the book, The History of Jihad. Many people don't know it, but uh, Islamic slavers came up from North Africa in the 1500s, 1600s, and actually uh, made raids in England, in Iceland, and elsewhere in the uh, in Northern Europe uh, to take back people from those areas and make them slaves in North Africa. The slave trade that was conducted by Muslims was actually much larger in scope and lasted much longer than the transatlantic slave trade that uh, brought the American slaves to the United States and that we hear so much more about in this still so much controversy about in the United States 150 years after abolition. Uh, it really was quite small and narrow in scope compared to Islamic slave trade, to the Islamic slave trade that we hear hardly anything about. So the, uh, the nation where this Islamization, if you will, uh, is furthest along is the nation of France. Uh, do we see uh, a social uh, and civil disintegration there that you might expect? Yeah, absolutely, because there are many of the people who have come to France who have not come to France to have a better life, to have a better uh, job, and so on, but they've come in order to conquer and Islamize France. Uh, people think, oh, that's ridiculous, it's, uh, it's conspiracy mongering or something of that kind, but this is in the words of the people who themselves have come that they say this is why we are here, this is what this is all about, to Islamize France. And there are many, many areas in France now that are very controversially known as no-go zones, a lot of argument back and forth about them. The Paris mayor actually threatened to sue Fox News a few years back um, because Fox was referring to no-go zones in Paris, and she said there are no such things. Uh, and uh, it's noteworthy, however, that that suit never materialized. Uh, the controversy really comes over uh, the fact that there's no real accepted definition of what a no-go zone is. Uh, people say that there are no places where non-Muslims are not allowed to go, and that's true. But that's not what a no-go zone necessarily Taking is. Taking your life into your a hands. No -go zone, 
yeah, it's a place where Islamic law prevails, not the law of the land. And so the uh, non-Muslims have to watch what they do and watch what they say, or they're going to be in big trouble. Uh, that's what a no-go zone is. And in many cases in France and elsewhere, there are cities where police and fire personnel don't even want to enter because they're afraid of being attacked by Muslims in those areas. And so they're very much are these kinds of no-go zones, and the controversy about them is to a tremendous degree simply an attempt to cover up the reality. Well, you know, one of the things I've noticed uh, in Europe, not only in France, but in Sweden and uh, in Belgium and other places that have welcomed large numbers, is that um, they'll go on these uh, rampages where they'll burn cars, and they'll burn hundreds of them at a time, and it occurred to me that, uh, you know, that's kind of a form of ethnic cleansing, because you make the the neighborhood and the area so untenable for the um, for the you know former inhabitants, uh, you know having their cars burned and and uh, the minarets uh, playing the uh, the prayers over loudspeaker three times a day that it actually forces them out and and gives them uh, you know free uh, reign in these enclaves that they've created. Yes, absolutely, and that's actually one of the primary objectives of doing that. Uh, the idea is to make it such that the people who live in those areas don't want to stay. And then only Muslims move in, and pretty soon you have another one of these Islamic enclaves where Islamic law is essentially the law of the land. Well, the Islamic law you're referring to is, of course, Sharia, and we've heard a lot of talk about Sharia law. And uh, it, it has always amazed me that uh, you know people who call themselves liberals or leftists are so ignorant to uh, the strictures of Sharia and uh, and are such defenders of people who advocate uh, its implementation uh, right here in this country. Uh, just uh, uh, explain some of the things that are contained in Sharia that are uh, contrary to what we would understand as uh, a liberal, um, you know, Western values. Well, Islamic law forbids criticism of Islam. So in the first place, there's no freedom of speech. Uh, second, it uh, says that, that, that might That might, result are, to, that might uh, explain why they're so you know, keen to murder people who, who draw um, cartoons of the prophet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's exactly why. And uh, it says that women are inferior to men and that men can beat women from whom they fear disobedience. And that language that they don't say they can uh, beat women who are disobedient, but just those whom they, from whom they fear disobedience, that they think they might become disobedient. Uh, and so it denies the equality of rights of women before the law, uh, denies the uh, uh, free inquiry, free discourse that we take for granted in the United States, although that, of course, is changing as well. Uh, it's very virulently anti-Semitic with all sorts of things being blamed upon the Jews and mandates a second-class status for non-Muslims uh, under Islamic law. And so this also is something that's at variance with the rights and freedoms that we take for granted here in the United States. Well, you know, um, we've witnessed several uh, honor killings, so-called honor killings, most recently, um, I think about a week ago in Texas, where uh, there was a, a, a man who uh, killed his sister because uh, they had brought dishonor on the family. Is that uh, is that a stricture in Sharia law? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's in Islamic law that there's no penalty for a uh, father who kills the child. That this is something that is simply allowed without any uh, uh, worries about being punished. And there are many Muslim countries, accordingly, where honor killing is simply not uh, punished in the same way as any other kind of murder. That you have, for in other words, reduced penalties if you can prove that it was an honor killing. Is there any example worldwide uh, where Islam has uh, coexisted peacefully uh, once um, once Islam became the majority? No. Uh, there is not only no example worldwide of that, but also in Islamic teaching, there is no scenario envisioned in which Muslims and non-Muslims live together in a society where neither one is is, uh, trying to assert hegemony over the other. Uh, Instead, the Muslims have a responsibility uh, before Allah to uh, establish their hegemony over the non-Muslims, to subjugate them under the rule of Islamic law. I recall in the Clinton administration when uh, the uh, NATO actually went to war in Kosovo to uh, to stop um, the Serbians from uh, reasserting control over that province, and uh, and shortly after, uh, you know, we forced the Serbs to withdraw and turn the place over to Kosovo. Uh, they began uh, ethnic cleansing it of of Christians, uh, including. Uh, burning their churches, and now you know the province of Kosovo is almost entirely um, free of Christians. Yeah, and uh, this is no surprise at all. Anybody who is aware of Islamic doctrine and Islamic history could have said at that time, and I was saying at that time, that this is what's going to happen. And it's not that uh, we were clairvoyant, it's just that there is no contrary example. There's just no example of Muslims behaving any differently. Whenever there are Muslims and non-Muslims, then the Muslims are subjugating the non-Muslims. You know, you you look at the uh, the uh, video clips of uh, what's happened in Kosovo and other areas like that, where they destroyed the antiquities and the the treasures of the previous um, you know civilization, and you wonder, um, you know, what is the future of uh, places like France and England that uh, contain all of these historic. Uh, treasures. Robert Spencer, we got to run. We've, uh, we've got to run. I thank you so much for being on. Robert Spencer is the director of Jihad Watch and a Shulman Fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center. His latest book is The History of Jihad from Muslim uh, from Mu- Muhammad to ISIS. The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS available on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble. Robert Spencer, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Santa's dropping off way more than you expected this year. Thanks to Xfinity, the whole family can enjoy great coverage and fast, reliable internet speed up to gig, all at a great value. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.